Finally, the TreeCast is here with its first show of the new year, and we're hitting the ground running with one of our very favorite special guests. Don't go anywhere. We're going to have a lot of fun, as we always do, on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented, of course, by the Believe Podcast Network, Wednesday, January 20th, 2021. Hope the new year is treating you well so far. Hope you've had a great day uh, so far and hope that we can do whatever we can to make this even better for you as we talk Stanford sports better than anybody else in the podcast space, at least in, in my opinion anyway. Who am I, by the way? I'm Troy Clarity. Thanks for being here with us. Uh, 28th season of following Stanford sports, broadcasting it, covering it. Uh, I'm about to enter my seventh year of uh, calling games on the Pac-12 network. So uh, obviously uh, Stanford sports well in my wheelhouse. And if you're listening to the show, chances are pretty good that it's it's in your wheelhouse too. We're going to be joined in a few minutes by, as mentioned, one of our very favorite special guests, Stanford football head coach David Shaw. You realize it's been exactly 10 years and one week since he became the head coach at Stanford? We're going to talk about that with him, plus get his thoughts on on just a remarkable season, one that I don't think that he or anyone else who was involved with that season for Stanford football is, is ever going to forget, and a few of his other thoughts around the program as well. So David Shaw is our special guest uh, for this week. Always great when we can uh, look. It's always great to hear from him, and, and his voice, I'm sure, is is probably the the, the voice you hear. Um, more than anybody else's on the show, except for mine, because, well, this is my show. But, you know, you get you hear a lot from David Shaw, but most of those are in press conference mode. Always good to get him in one-on-one mode, and we've had a chance to do that. We did that twice in the 2020 calendar year, and uh, we're going to do that here once again as we begin 2021. So David Shaw coming up in just a few minutes or so. And plus, we do have three things to tell you about and to update you on around Stanford Athletics. So a lot of ground to cover as uh, we get you set for the tree cast. But first, this reminder, yeah, there's a pretty big football game coming up just around the corner to be held down in Tampa the first weekend in February. And if you're looking to place a bet on any of any sports going on right now, betonline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. You got game spreads and totals, team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. There's always the online casino too. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag, and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Three things you need to know around Stanford Athletics. Let's dive straight into it with number one. And let's put the wraps on how the roster for Stanford football is going to potentially look in 2021 with numerous comings and goings over the past couple of weeks since the season ended a month ago. Gosh, in some ways, it doesn't seem like it was a month ago, and in others, it seems like it was two years ago. But uh, let's update on, let's update on you on who is coming back for the 2021 season. Defensive end Thomas Booker is going to be returning to Stanford for his fourth year senior season. Uh, great leader on and off the field. I'm very happy to see that. Uh, wide receiver Cameron Brazell, tight end Tucker Fisk, 
fullback Houston High Mooley, defensive end Ryan Johnson, outside linebacker Thunder Keck, linebacker Gabe Reed, defensive tackle Dalen Wade Perry, free safety Noah Williams. They are all coming back for their fifth year seasons. And outside linebacker Jordan Fox, running back Dorian Maddox, and quarterback Isaiah Sanders are all returning for their sixth year senior season. So you will be seeing all of those young men once again wearing a Stanford uniform in the 2021 season. Now, of course, departures. And the big one, of course, is quarterback Davis Mills, who declared for the NFL draft a few days following the uh, finish of the Stanford football 2020 season. Wide receivers Simi Fajoko and Connor Weddington, offensive tackle Foster Sorrell, center Drew Dahlman, defensive tackle Tomas Schaffer, safety Malik Antoine, inside linebacker Curtis Robinson, and tight end Scooter Harrington also declaring their intentions uh, for the NFL draft. Those young men will get ready for the draft to be held in late April. I would think that Simi Fajoko's measurables probably make him the most draftable but I'm also looking forward to seeing what's in Davis Mills' future. So there's going to be a lot of things to watch with this uh, Stanford uh, NFL draft class coming up. We'll discuss that with uh, David Shaw coming up in just a few minutes. And uh, Stanford football has a pro day. It's going to be off the hook this spring. That's going to be a lot of fun. Congratulations to all of those young men for making their decisions. And best of luck for all of their futures on the farm or off. Let's get to number And as far as other sports, we're starting to see schedules taking shape around Stanford and the Pac-12. On Tuesday, Stanford Women's Volleyball announced its slate as it aims for the three-peat. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Tree-peat as national champions. Pac-12 schedule will start this upcoming Friday, but because Santa Clara County is still observing the public health guidelines that caused Stanford football to become a road show and both Stanford basketball squads to have to call Santa Cruz home for the moment, the first two weeks of Stanford women's volleyball schedule have already been canceled. So Stanford's first match slated to be at Arizona on February 5th. They'll face the Wildcats again down in Arizona two days later. Cardinals' first home match scheduled for February 14th against the California Golden Bears. Final four for women's volleyball this year, scheduled for the final weekend in Omaha. Women's gymnastics also announced its schedule on Tuesday. The first meet is uh, scheduled for February the 15th versus Utah. Always a big deal whenever the Red Rocks come to town. That's always fun. Home meets, not just against the Utes for Stanford, but also against Arizona, Cal, and Oregon State. All competition will continue to be held without fans. That's a Pac-12 directive. And, of course, all of this is subject to change, as we have become well too familiar with in following sports over the past few months or so. So we're, we're getting there. We're, we're getting there. And, and other sports are starting to ramp up and get closer and closer to intercollegiate competition. Now, as I say this, no schedules have been announced for Stanford men's and women's soccer just yet. Speaking of Stanford women's soccer, let's round this out with number three. And the Cardinal are getting ready to defend its national championship, but they will do so without Katarina Macario. The senior announced that she is turning pro, that announcement coming back on January the 8th. And in the meantime, she is signed with Olympique Lyonnais in France. Did I say that right? I, I took Spanish in high school for three years, and I still can't speak a lick of that language either. But that's probably the best women's soccer team in the world that doesn't play on an international level. Oh, and by the way, speaking of that, K 
Katarina joined the full U.S. Women's National Team this month, won her petition with FIFA, and she ended up actually earning her first cap this week in a friendly versus Colombia. That was fun to watch. She's originally from Brazil. In case you don't know Katarina Macario's story, story, originally from Brazil, came to the United States because opportunities for women in soccer in that country just were not there, which is just mind-blowing when you consider uh, just how big soccer is in Brazil. She settled in San Diego, came to the farm in 2017, and just ripped it up. Transcendent player, fantastic ambassador for the sport, and for Stanford University, probably the best player in college soccer, and perhaps the best female soccer player in the world right now. I'm gonna miss calling her matches on the Pac-12 Network, uh, but I'm certainly looking forward to watching her take over the world. Thanks, Kat. Can't wait to see what's next. Those are three things. We'll chat with Stanford football head coach David Shaw in just a moment or so, but first, another bit of business to tend to here on the TreeCast. Some new friends joining the program. And look, a new year, we've got tons of new big games in sports. And with big games, you need big stakes. Kansas City Stakes has the cuts you crave to celebrate the playoffs and the big game. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and save up to $25 on combos perfect for game day. Plus, get free shipping with code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V at checkout. Again, go to KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and use the code BELIEVE at checkout for free shipping. Kansas City Steaks, big games, big taste. Hey, you want to advertise steaks on my show? I'm all about it. <laughs> I'm thinking of a pretty good New York strip right now, as a matter of fact. Well, can you believe it? It's been 10 years and one week since David Shaw was named the Bradford M. Freeman Director of Football. And in that time, Stanford has won three Pac-12 titles. They've been to the Rose Bowl three times, won two of them, and have won 90 games. And David Shaw has become the all-time winningest coach in Cardinal football history. How's he feeling about that? And how's he feeling after what had to be one of the more remarkable seasons that he's ever going to have as a coach? Let's talk to him right now. Always a big-time pleasure to be joined by the Stanford football head coach, David Shaw. Coach, Happy New Year. Good to see you. How you doing? Happy New Year. Good to see you, too. We're doing well. We're doing well. Good. Good, good. So I, I know that one of the things that you were looking forward to most at the end of the season was sleeping in your own bed. How much sleep have you gotten over the past month? Uh, I've gotten a lot of rest, got a chance to reintroduce myself to my family. Uh, you know, we took a little three week uh, uh, trip. Um, so it's nice to get back home, celebrate the holidays and with the new academic calendar, uh, spring football being pushed back. Yes, we jump right back into recruiting, but at the same time, we're able to take a little bit of time and go through some football. But mainly really recovered from a really, really emotional uh, shortened season. Yeah, I want to get further thoughts on that here in just a moment or so. But, but on the field, uh, what went right this season, in this crazy season, and what could have gone better on the field? Uh, on the field, and it sounds like I'm talking about off the field, but, but really on the field, um, our leadership was, was so good on this football team. Um, so many ups and downs, so many potential distractions um, in game, out of game, between games, before games. Uh, and our guys uh, stay true to what we've always said is our calling card is going to be effort. We're always going to give you everything we got. And we played so hard. We played, um, played really well at times. 
Uh, and when we didn't play well, we bounced back extremely well, right? Obviously, the re reference to the last game of the year, but even even Oregon State played really well and had to fight back, and uh, Washington played really well and had a tough spot in the middle towards the end. They fought back again to, to put the game away. Um, uh, that was a big thing, a guy stepping up um, repeatedly. Uh, every good team, every team that has a winning record has to have guys that step up um, into rules, roles that they weren't ready for when the season began and uh, what could have gone better. Um, uh, I kind of say it in jest, but you know, the, the testing was great all year, um, except for the first game of the year. Uh, uh, that would have been much better. Would have been really interesting to see um, if we would have had Davis really for that first game. And then, you know, for the entire week leading up to game number two, um, uh, could have been really interesting towards the end of the year. But um, besides that, um, just our, our way we finished football games, you know, um, we finished with great effort, but multiple, multiple games we played this year and we had a chance to put them away and, and we didn't have the, the maturity um, to really do that. And instead of winning games by one score, winning by two scores or three scores, um, you know, getting up on guys, uh, getting up on teams and then Strew being able to, to put them away um, is one thing we have, we must improve on. And again, it's always good to have those wins in your back pocket to be able to build uh, on those kinds of experiences as we uh, start to uh, turn our attention now to 2021. Um, given all of the hoops that had to be jumped through, not just every week, but, but every day, uh, the physical costs, the mental and psychological cost, and the financial cost as well, uh, some folks wondered if playing college football in 2020 was worth it. Was this season worth it to you? Absolutely. And I've been very consistent here. To me, it was worth it because our student athletes wanted to play. Um, if if and we, I talked to our leaders in particular all the time, we talked as a, as, a, as a team before we ever started training camp, we talked to their parents and families. And if there was a consensus that this is not worth it, and that you don't want to do this, then we just won't do it. Um, it wasn't because of money, what so many people say. Um, it wasn't because you know, the coaches need to have this. Um, if our student athletes didn't want to participate and didn't feel safe doing it, then we wouldn't have done it. And there were a lot of questions early on from the student athletes and their parents about, can we do this? And, and is this smart? Is this safe? Can we do this? And our medical team did an outstanding job of first laying out the plan and convincing them and then proving it to them and showing it to them that we can do this. Um, you still hear some men's basketball coach and even a women's basketball coach in the past week saying, I, I don't know if, I don't feel safe. I don't know if we want to do this. And um, those are, those are very understandable uh, questions, but every single time you turn back and talk to the student athletes, every, every major sport in college right now is a year round sport. And these student athletes train so much in the off season. They work so hard. If they want to play, it's on us to give them that opportunity. However, we need to structure it. Um, we need to put a lot of demands on them. Um, as far as their behavior, as far as testing and, and distancing, et cetera. Um, but, but if they want to play, it's up to us to provide them that opportunity. And, and those words were spoken by our, our university president, um, uh, Mark Tessier Levine, who said it, our student athletes have dedicated themselves to playing these sports and it's up to us to fulfill our promise to them and give them that opportunity.
it's always amazed me how much more of being a head coach is just more than just X's and O's. There's a whole lot of administrative stuff that you have to deal with as well. And that's true even in the normal season. In the normal season, what would you say the percentage of administrative to X and O's uh, is, 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 uh, as far as being a head coach is concerned? And what would you say that ratio was this past season? Um, uh, there's a thing I used to do uh, back when we could meet um, in person. Uh, in our building, we have little tiny windows next to every door. And anytime anybody asks me what it felt like to be a head coach, I, I would walk out of the meeting room and close the door and look in on the window. Because um, I would feel like uh, you know, going from being a position coach to a coordinator, it's all, you know, so much of it. Yes, there's recruiting, but so much of it's football than a head, with, as a head coach, you have to be able to delegate because there are not enough hours in the day. And um, so, you know, there are days where I feel like 40% of my time is on things that are not football, um, sometimes higher, sometimes lower. This past year, oh my gosh, um, between meetings with administration and, and trainers and our equipment staff on, especially once we got on the road um, and our nutrition. Okay, how are we getting the guys this? How are we getting them what they need to do here? Um, thankfully, we have a great operations staff um, that was able to do a lot uh, of that, I mean, a high percentage of that. But just the organizational um, part of the job um, was minimum five times what it was uh, pre-COVID. And uh, you have to have a good staff like we do here. Our student athletes trusted us so they could just focus on getting ready to play and handling school, et cetera. So um, it, it was a lot more this year. Um, and yes, it was, it was only six game season, but it was exhausting um, and 100% worth it. Yeah, I, I would love to sit down with Matt Doyle. I have so many questions for him with, with what he and his staff had to go through. Uh, it, he'll spend an hour talking about getting buses. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> getting buses, making sure the kids are fed and all those sorts of things. I, I would love to sit down with him at some point and just get his thoughts on what it took to pull this season off, especially the past, uh, the, past the, the last uh, few weeks of the season. Um, NFL draft season is coming up. Uh, Walker Little, Paulson Adebo declared before the season uh, began. Davis Mill, Simu Fajoko made their decisions uh, after the season. Uh, your initial thoughts on Stanford's potential NFL draft class for this year? kind of seems like Pro Day might be off the hook this year. Uh, Pro Day's got a chance to be really fun. Um, there won't be a traditional combine, with it, which I think is sad, because um, I think our guys have always shown well there. Um, but this, this draft class, it's going to be pretty deep. Um, you throw in a Curtis Robinson, you know, that's got a chance to be a mid-round guy that made a lot of plays and has a chance to be an outstanding special teamer in particular um, at the next level. Jet Toner, um, you know, had a rough first game, but really came back and, and you look at the breadth of his career and this guy is an NFL kicker. Um, so we, we've got a lot of guys in this draft now and um, Drew Dolman, uh, Foster Sorrell, so guys that have a chance to play. So, uh, we, we, we may have some guys go close to the top, you know, some conversations on whether or not Walker has a chance to go early in that first round, sometime in that first round, Paulson Adebo. Um, if he runs like we think he's going to run, um, there's a chance he's going to bump up on some draft boards, not to mention, you know, lead the nation in, in PBUs the last two, you know, uh, most PBUs in the last two years. Um, so uh, it's got a chance to be an exciting group. Um, we're going to have a bunch of guys go, go places and, uh, as we found out this this year, um, we had more time to watch NFL games because we didn't start, so we didn't start fast. But watching our guys play on Sundays is so exciting and so gratifying. 
and I'm excited. We're going to have another good crop uh, coming into the league. You have a Bills jersey you're going to be wearing this week. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not quite part of Bills Mafia, but uh, <laughs> but uh, Harrison, I thought, has played really well in the last couple of games. And uh, uh, Trent Murphy, I mean, long and physical. I mean, he actually kind of ran down the quarterback in Baltimore. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if ran down is the right word, but um, did a great job of getting the TFL there. So uh, we're excited for those guys to get a chance to possibly go to the to the big dance. Davis Mills, gone. What does the quarterback look room look like now for Stanford? Yeah, and, and I'm excited that we we're a place too that that truly competes um, for everything. So we'll have a great quarterback competition. Um, I don't think it's right to just say, okay, you're a quarterback, and then you know uh, push other guys out. I think everything has to be earned on our football team. Um, you know, obviously uh, Jack West and Tanner McKee lead that lead that battle. Those two guys that came in and performed admirably. I thought against uh, against Oregon, um, really the only throws that we missed were the throws that those guys didn't really have a chance to work um, during the course of the week with the receivers. Um, a lot of the red zone throws and some of the deep balls. Um, but uh, I'm excited about about that competition. The bottom line for me is that'll get too much publicity and too much hype um, as it normally does. But we still have to put pressure on everybody else to come out and perform and do their job their best so that we can truly evaluate. Um, who the starting quarterback is going to be. Season is scheduled to kick off in Dallas against Kansas State. That game was originally scheduled to be held um, in Manhattan, Kansas, but it was moved. That announcement was made last week. And something tells me that that you're not too upset about that game being moved to North Texas, which is a fertile recruiting area. Uh, I'd imagine that you're not mad about the location and the locale of that game being moved from that standpoint. Yeah, I, you know, Manhattan, Kansas, I've heard about that place so many different times. I know people that have coached there, and I was kind of excited to see it. Um, but, you know, to have a chance to play in that stadium, um, which is an unbelievable stadium, it still just boggles the mind when you walk in. Um, and to be able to play uh, in Texas where, I mean, as you can imagine, all of our guys, all of our Texas guys, both on the team and alums, are just going crazy. They're so excited to play a game. Uh, in their home state, in front of their family and friends. Um, and, and, of course, we're always recruiting in Texas. And I think that's a big one for us. So um, everybody's looking forward to that. We've always talked about playing in one of these preseason games. Um, and and it, it takes the right opportunity. Uh, and I think this was the right opportunity. Um, we didn't want to add another game on top of playing nine conference games in Notre Dame every year and a tough out-of-conference schedule and then add a big preseason game. Um, but this was on the schedule. We just changed the location. And uh, we're excited. I know Kansas State is excited. Um, they're a good physical football team, so it's got a chance to be a heck of a football game. You mentioned Notre Dame. That series, as of right now, is scheduled to end in 2024. Any initial indication on, on which way things could potentially go after that? Yeah, we've, we've been consistent, and Notre Dame's been consistent, that this, this rivalry is a positive, um, I think, for both, in both institutions, not just the athletic departments and football programs, but uh, both institutions really appreciate this rivalry, um, the opportunity to, to go back and forth. Uh, we, of course, love going to the Midwest and playing a game every other year in the Midwest. Um, they love going to play a game every year in California, whether it's Stanford or USC. Um, I think it helps both, uh, all three of us in recruiting, um, but especially this, the Stanford-Notre Dame rivalry. Um, I think it's, it's a really good one. It's a physical one. Um, it's, it's, it's what we want it to be with student-athletes on the field. Um, so uh, I would count on that thing getting getting extended 
Um, of course, there happens in offices bigger than mine, uh, but uh, I, I feel comfortable that that one's going to get extended. Yeah, hopefully so. Well, I always love making that uh, road trip to South Bend. Such a fantastic place to watch a college football game. Um, I want to jump in the Wayback Machine for a moment or so, uh, back to January 3rd, 2011. And I remember being on the field after the Orange Bowl and just the celebration and just the uh, just kind of like the, the announcement of Stanford, uh, their, its arrival as, as a potential football power and just kind of setting the stage for the for the next few years to come. And in that, I remember looking over and seeing you and your family just kind of standing there and just kind of taking it all in. Ten days later, you were named the head coach of Stanford football. Kind of take me back to that night in Miami and the 10 days that followed as you remember it. Oh, that night in Miami, um, as far as my being a professional goes, is, is up there one of the most enjoyable moments in my career. Um, to go out and play the way that our guys played, um, to, to, to play with such energy and passion and playmaking and play together. Um, there's so much enjoyment uh, in that. And then post game, we all knew there was a lead up. There was a chance that that was going to be Jim Harbaugh's last game as a head coach at Stanford, all these NFL openings and stand on the sidelines pregame. You know, it'll see uh, two NFL GMs and an owner walking out, walking down the sideline. You kind of knew that something was probably going to happen. So I'd taken a couple of weeks to, to prepare for the interview process. And um, uh, so once the game was over, we enjoyed that. And then after that, that uh, knowing that Jim was, was, was going to take the 49ers job um, was, uh, it was an interesting time, but I, I had a lot of confidence that not only did I think I was ready, which you're never completely ready, even when you think you are for a job like this. Um, I had a lot of confidence in understanding this football team and the guys that were coming back and, you know, and, and looking at what it was going to take to be successful, um, the way that we needed to recruit. Um, to, to continue to bring guys in um, and, and play the way that we wanted to play and keep the academic standards the way that we needed to. Um, I, I felt really good about not just my opportunity to get the job, um, but really the chance for us to continue to be, to play the game at a high level. Um, so it was, it was a great time. Um, and I felt really comfortable and confident going into that interview process. And it certainly paid off uh, in, a, in a big time way. The next thing you know, you're in, you've got the you're at the podium with uh, then Stanford Athletic Director uh, Bob Bowlesby, and it was off and running. And uh, Stanford is still doing great things uh, a decade later. Overall, how has college football as a whole changed over the last ten years? Gosh, it, I think it's changed a few times, a few different ways. Um, you know, the the game has gotten faster. You know, and you can thank slash blame Chip Kelly for a lot of that. Um, the spread offense was already around, right? I mean, Urban, Urban and his group had really introduced it and got it pretty popular from from uh, from Utah going to um, Florida. Um, uh, the Pirate down at Texas Tech had 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 really gotten going, so the spread was there. Um, but then the tempo that that uh, Chip Kelly assaulted us all with um, really took over. And you see that now more in spurts than, than all the time. Um, but you see the game becoming so lateral, not just vertical. So the, the lateral running, the lateral passing, the RPOs, and now the down the field passing. Um, you see de defenses now 
Um, I wouldn't say they're playing more vanilla, uh, but there's so many, so many things you have to be cautious of with the RPO world. So you see some of the defenses now scale down what they're doing because you have to be able to get guys on the ground from the, from the RPO world. You have to be able to account for the quarterback as a runner and not just when you're playing against Chip Kelly, but pretty much everybody now has some form of way to make you account for the quarterback as a runner. Um, so, you know, offensively, defensively, there are a lot of changes um, really in the last decade um, and all through it, through it all, um, as long as we've been healthy, you know, discounting last year, um, we've been able to uh, play our scheme with some adjustments and still be able to be effective where we now have incorporated some RPOs um, defensively. I think we've done a really good job against quarterback runs. Once again, when we've, when we've been at full strength with all of our guys um, and be able to play the game at a high level and still continue to have winning records. And um, so through all the changes in college football, I think we've been able to adjust without ever losing our identity. Yeah. How have you changed over the last 10 years? Oh man, um, I am. I'm a little more savvy. Um, I I know what I don't know more than earlier, uh, I, which I think is any anytime you spend a lot of time in a, in a profession or especially in one place, um, there are a lot of things you go into a thing that you truly know and understand and believe, um, and how that that and, and to be more specific, whether it's schematically or or team management, um, there are ways now that. I understand how to stoke leadership on the football team that maybe I didn't understand early on. Um, and a lot of that was partially because we had such great leaders and to really identify leadership earlier. Now I'm doing that all the time. Now it's a big part of my job, identifying and cultivating leadership. Um, we have such great leaders on this football team, but it's not always natural for those guys to step into those roles. I think we have to craft and, and help them uh, into those roles. Um, I think I'm doing, uh, I've learned a lot more about how to craft um, our, our game plans really in all three phases and continue to fit those towards our personnel, um, you know, to be able to go from, you know, having a Toby Gerhardt to a Stefan Taylor and Tyler Gaffney and Christian McCaffrey and, and Bryce Love um, to an Austin Jones, right? And we're saying, okay, you know what? Each of these guys do something, does something different but now the offensive lines are also different too. What do they do well? So really being able to stay within our comfort zone and at the same time accentuate what our players do well. I think I've gotten a lot better at that really. And also in all three phases there too, um, defensively, there's some things that we could do with Trent Murphy that, that we can't do now, but there's some things that we can do now that we didn't do back then. Um, so that continual growth um, and not just my growth, but the growth of our, of our staff. We have a lot of continuity in our staff and we can now reference, Hey, remember, four and five years ago when we did this, it looks like we can do this again with the personnel that we have. So I think we've been able to really talk through a lot of those things and, and continue to grow um, uh, and not just what we've done in the past, but grow and, and be able to add things that make sense um, to, to help our, our guys go out there and perform. All right. As we wrap this up here, a uh, last thing for you, what's next? What's on the plate for Stanford football for the next few months to come? Well, uh, I think any of any answer other than what I'm, about to give you would would be would be honestly a, almost a dereliction of duty is um we want to win a national championship and uh you know people can say what they want to say about our conference or about about stanford football we haven't been where we've been in the past um i feel really good about where we are 
Um, it would have been fascinating to me to see if we stayed completely healthy and, and played a 12-game season um, this past year. Um, we really could have been in the mix. Um, I think we had a chance to win the conference if we played, played a couple more games, got a chance to fight back in there and played full strength. Um, I like who we have coming back. I like where we are. I like the way that we've recruited. I like the way that we are recruiting. Um, so, you know, I love walking by those Pac-12 championship trophies when I walk in the office. And uh, I want to add a couple more there and, uh, and get a chance to, to, to play for a national championship. So that's our mentality. Um, we don't like taking back seats to anybody. And if we don't set our sights high, then we wouldn't be Stanford. Lots to look forward to in the 2021 football season, which will be David Shaw's 11th running the show on the farm. Can't wait for that. And can't wait until our next chance to chat. Coach, always, thanks a bunch. Best of luck. Stay healthy to you, the staff, the student athlete, and the, fa the student athletes and the family as well. And looking forward to chatting to you again soon. Thanks as always. No problem. Take care. Always great to catch up with uh, Stanford football head coach David Shaw. And uh, a couple of things that, that he mentioned that I would like to react to. We'll do that in just a moment. But first, this. A couple of final points on uh, the TreeCast, as you just heard our conversation with Stanford football head coach David Shaw, one month removed from the 2020 season that, that I'm sure no one will forget. Um, I'm glad that he and the uh, folks at Stanford and Notre Dame realized the importance of that series and continuing it past 2024. So that's certainly something that uh, could potentially uh, bear watching. Hopefully something gets announced in the, uh, in the months ahead. That would be really cool because look let's face it you know Notre Dame loves coming out here playing Stanford and you or either Stanford or USC every single year for recruiting purposes for them and as, as, as coach Shaw mentioned and Stanford loves going back to the Midwest which has been quite good to Stanford uh, from a recruiting standpoint over the years and plus if you if you haven't made that road trip out to South Bend it is just mind-blowing and wasn't able to go in uh, 2018 Last time I made it was uh, 2016, and man, I, I cannot wait until the next time I get a chance to watch uh, watch a college football game in South Bend. So good to hear that you know he's very receptive. We'll see what happens with the folks in the bigger offices, as he calls it, uh, how receptive uh, those folks are uh, to continuing that series, which has actually become a, a little bit of a rivalry at times over the past decade or so. That is certainly nice to see. And and, and, and he likes, he seems to like where they are overall right now. Uh, a lot of quest questions about the trajectory of, of the program coming into 2020 and coming into that season, and, and rightfully so, right? I mean, it was a bit of a gut check, you know, season for the Cardinal and, you know, adding on top of all the other things that they had to go through and deal with. Oh, by the way, they were coming off of their first losing season in what, 11 years? So adding that to all of what 2020 eventually became and what that season eventually became. Um, there are a lot of question marks uh, surrounding the Cardinal coming into this season. And, and you know what? You know what? There, there probably are still question marks surrounding Stanford uh, coming into the 2021 season. Obviously, we have a long way to go. Hopefully, everything trends positively. I think we'll start to see a much better and much more coordinated federal response to COVID-19. And I, I feel pretty good, as I say this as of right now, that, that we'll be on track to getting on time. And that we'll all be, you know, hopefully in Arlington, Texas, you know, that first weekend in September, watching the Cardinal take on Kansas State. But that being said, 
quarterback is going to be a question mark. Tanner McKee, is he going to be, uh, the, is, this, is this his time to finally take the reins? What can Jack West show? You know, R.A. Patu, is, is, is he going to be a factor uh, in the quarterback race as well? Uh, but I think a lot of the question marks are going to be on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, there are a lot of players that I like on that side. Great to see Thomas Booker come back. Lavani Damuni really showed me a lot as the season went along. And a couple players in the secondary really stepped up as, as the year went. Uh, Salim Turner Muhammad uh, showing some big things when he got the late start against the California Golden Bears in big game in Berkeley in late November. So. You know, there are, I think there are some individual players to like defensively, but can they all coalesce and put together much more consistent performances in the season ahead? I think that, more than anything else, might dictate uh, how far Stanford potentially goes uh, in 2021. And again, big, huge asterisk here because I'm saying this all in January, and uh, there's still a lot that can happen and a lot that will happen between now and then. But, uh, but great to get coaches' thoughts uh, on the season that was, and looking forward to seeing what the next steps are for Stanford football, both on and off the field. And uh, spring football uh, will be here before we know it. Pro Day uh, will be here. I hope to be there uh, in, in the house for that day. It's one of my favorite days um, of the year. So uh, still a lot of question marks for Stanford football, but a lot to like as well. And I think things overall uh, seem to be heading in a much better direction now than they were maybe this time a year ago. I could say that about a lot of things. But our thanks again to David Shaw for joining us on this episode of the TreeCast. I always welcome your thoughts. I always welcome your reaction. Best way to do that is to hit me up on Twitter, hashtag TreeCast, hashtag TreeCast on Twitter. If you want to give me the follow, hey, I'm cool. You know, that, that, that's fine. You know, I, I always appreciate that. Um, at Troy Clarity, last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity is the way to go there. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review the program. I always encourage that. Um, will we be every week from here on out? Not entirely sure. You know, we might be in a bit of a random schedule uh, for the next uh, few weeks, uh, TreeCast-wise. So the best thing to do is to stay tuned. The best thing to do is to subscribe. That way you never have to worry about missing a show. It's always right there waiting for you. Uh, to quote the great Richard Marks there. But, uh, you know, just, just subscribe to the show. And whenever the new the next TreeCast comes your way, it will be there. And you'll be able to check it out as soon or as late as you wish. Until then, thank you for being with us on this episode of the TreeCast. Hey, by the way, looking forward to being on the uh, Pac-12 Network's play-by-play uh, -play call for Stanford women's basketball this upcoming weekend. Stanford versus USC uh, down in Santa Cruz. Uh, myself, Mary Murphy, and our fearless Pac-12 Network crew will bring you that game on Sunday afternoon down in Santa Cruz. Can't wait for that. Until then, and until the next TreeCast, don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. And wear a mask. It still applies. Mask it or casket now more than ever. And be kind to each other out there, too. Talk to you next time on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network.